Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Uncultured Cinematic Universe. We are the podcast where two friends show each other movies, shows, and anything else that they need to see, hear, or experience. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm joined, as always, by the Uncultured Justin. Hey! Today we're getting cursed by a horny witch and somewhat transparently protesting the Iraq War. It's the 2004 Studio Ghibli classic, Howl's Moving Castle. You're right. This is totally anti-Bush propaganda. Miyazaki wasn't a fan <laughs> of, of the war. Not a big not fan, say. no. That's, that's crazy, Jason. yeah. I feel like I keep doing uh, animated movies as my pick. Ha have you done an animated movie so far, or is that kind of my wheelhouse? I did um, last year. I think at about this time, we did uh, Over the Garden Wall. Oh, of course we did. Yeah. Hello. Of course we did. Yeah. Which uh, you famously became obsessed with. Uh... Wait, no, that's not the one. You didn't become obsessed with the soundtrack for that one. You became obsessed with the soundtrack for Little Shop of Horrors. Still am. Still yeah, I'm fully expecting that to show up on like my Spotify end of year. Uh, 100%. It better. So if if this podcast has done one thing, it's done that. Well, I will say that yesterday in doing research for the end game uh, that, that we'll listen to <laughs> later, uh, I listened to many, many different versions of the merry-go-round of life. The, the, the House oh my Castle gosh. theme. Um, so I was sort of familiar with that musical piece uh, via TikTok. It's just playing it sometimes in just uh, like random uh, like makers just making beautiful things, either like painting or drawing. Nothing really to do specifically with uh, uh, the movie itself. Um, so like I was familiar with hearing like that melody and I was like, oh, shit, is this what it's from? And they play it nonstop. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because it's so good. It's kind of like the only theme in this movie and it rocks. It, um, it slaps 100%. I'm, I listen to like film and TV scores a lot when I work. And I, I always that one always pops up. Uh, I love Spirited Away. And I've recently like mixed in Kiki's Delivery Service. Okay. Uh, the music from that movie kind of rocks as well. And so now I keep getting them all mixed up with each other. Um, Cause it's always like these like pleasant, almost like sorrowful piano scores. Definitely. Um, yeah. There that really s stick. There with is you. some heartache and some melancholia for sure in this, um, in the motif itself. And uh, uh, it kind of, you know, juxtaposes with the, the sheer madness that is going on screen at the same time. This is a crazy movie, both visually and uh, plot wise. Um, yeah. Let me let me kind of set the stage here. So we are in uh, our first wildcard month here at the, the UCU, yep. um, which means that we're essentially just picking movies that we want to watch. And so we started this month out with um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was uh, a Cowabunga blast. Yeah, right. And now we are wrapping it up with Howl's Moving Castle, which um, I have seen many times in the past. And this is uh, an intro for you, correct? Correct. Yeah. And I would hope yeah, so. So to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles being a Cowabunga blast, Howl's Moving Castle is a Baja blast. And uh, Baja, blast. Baja blast because it is it is not what you expect it to be. It is refreshing and unique, and it's pretty to look at. Um, oh my god, it's beautiful! It's beautiful. Um, 
But yeah, I had never seen this before. I knew nothing. I I what's yeah, so like what's what's your Miyazaki experience? Yeah. Like where where are you at going into so this? So I own the only other movie I have seen by Studio Ghibli, um Miyazaki, you know, that kind of stuff was Spirited Away several, several years ago, and I only saw it once. Um, but I remember it mm -hmm. being, you know, like, okay, I see what the hype is about these movies. I can see why they're such a fandom. I can understand all of the um, the pieces that go into it of, um, you know, for, for never seeing it before. So, but that was my only touchstone. But I had heard just through just being like in the nerd culture, that kind of stuff, you know, of Kiki's delivery service of my neighbor, Tutoro of, uh, uh, <laughs> Ponyo and all this, all the other movies that are, that are under the umbrella. I knew of them, but I just never got around to, to revisiting. And so like, admittedly, I will say like, I texted you yesterday that like we had 30 minutes left. This movie is wild. It is uh, sexy, but like, I don't know, all over the place. And uh, the the description, what you sent me back is it exactly encapsulates of what this movie is. It is inaccessible. <laughs> <laughs> inaccessible, yet, uh, uh, but so fun, which it is, 100%. That kind of... I mean, that that does kind of tie into my history with this movie and why I picked it. Um, when when you think of Miyazaki and you think of Studio Ghibli, like a lot of people do think of Spirited Away because it it is a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, that that movie is fantastic. Um, but most people have seen it. And so we couldn't really cover it on this podcast because that was the one that you had seen. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I, I really wanted to cover a Miyazaki. And I thought about Howl's Moving Castle. The thing with my history here is I didn't really like it when I first saw it. I thought it was um, really slow and the plot was like convoluted and again, like inaccessible in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Like there's there's themes that you can relate to, but like what is actually happening on screen? It's like I cannot like piece these things together. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I weirdly f just like over the years, it's been like 10 plus years since I first saw this movie. I keep coming back to the visuals and the iconography of this movie and the the music and like the, the characters themselves mm -hmm. are just so fun to be around. I found yeah. um, it's it's kind of become this weird taste in my mouth that I've come to love. Mm -hmm. And now I just I, I love watching it. We we finished it the other night. Uh, and I mean, we're jumping way ahead to the end, but it's it finishes with them kind of like all literally flying off on a castle into the sky. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> This, this rocks yeah like <laughs> when would you ever see this anywhere else? yeah, yeah. Um, opening the the way for the sequel you know howl's flying castle you know it's um, <laughs> it's it's it was really fun um so uh, uh ryan had also never seen this before and mm -hmm. um but she had never seen any of the studio ghibli uh, miyazaki films either so she's like i don't know what i'm in for she's like my only kind of like uh, I don't know, kind of connection, not even really, but like Pokemon growing up, like is like as far as like anime kind of gets, but this isn't really anime. Um, the the way I've heard it described on like other podcasts is like Miyazaki and Ghibli are kind of like the Disney of Japan. Okay. And so 
the way that we have a very clear image in, in our minds when we think of Disney movies and when we think of like that style of 2D animation, now 3D animation, that's kind of what people think of uh, when they think of Miyazaki movies as well. They all kind of follow this very specific look. They're all yeah. like beautifully uh, rendered. Um, some of as his movies progress, like he he makes a lot of movies in like the 80s and 90s. Uh, and he's his movies are a little bit more spread out uh, right now. He actually recently released his um, latest um, this past month. Oh, yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. So it's something we could we could maybe see mm -hmm. soon. But as his movies progress, like there, there definitely uh, are major elements of 2D animation that gradually have more computer uh, elements to them. Like yeah. you can tell definitely in this movie that the castle itself is CGI right. at certain points, like all the exterior shots. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really interesting and beautiful, like how they're able to blend those together. Yeah, it was uh, pretty seamless. Um but yeah, mm -hmm. like from like frame one, as soon as it opens, uh, we're like in the hat shop or whatever. Um, it's just like, oh my God, this is gorgeous. Like the way that mm -hmm. they play with light and the way that they animated it. Uh, I'm thinking specifically to one scene and then we're jumping all over the place, but like um, she goes to like find Howell like in his like little tunnel area or something like that um, where he's like kind of a bird person <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Out of context, the out of pocket, these these quotes and things that we're gonna be talking about are just gonna sound hilarious to the lay person who's never seen the movie. But anyway, so like she's walking down the tunnel and she has like one single like candle. And just I remember remember looking at it like through the tunnel, like the way that the light is just following everything, and there's so many unique sparkly things. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. They it's like it, it reminds me of like the tunnel sequences in Coraline, how like things like extend and like there's like 3D elements. Yeah, as but well. this was all uh, I imagine majority of it was, you know, hand drawn mm -hmm. animation, um, which is let's do. Yeah, let's let's let's, let's let's do this. This is a impossible movie to talk about without really knowing the plot. Why don't we get to the plot first and then I'll I'll let you continue your thoughts around just like first impressions Fuck. and stuff. Right. OK, <laughs> I know. I know this is going to be difficult. Um, let me let me get you some stats uh, and then I'll have you do a one minute plot description right. just so our our millions of listeners aren't left. Confused. I know. Don't be. Um, Howl's Moving Castle was released in November 2004 um, in Japan. I'm not entirely sure where the dubbed uh, version was released. By the way, did you watch the original or the English? You watched the English dub. That was the one that was available on HBO. On yeah. Ma yeah. HBO Max. Fuck you. I'm not calling you Max. Um <laughs> the one that was available and um yeah it was the english dub and super surprised I have some super, on the dub. super surprised um yeah soon as the title character comes on the screen i'm like hang on i know this voice you're like that's not the voice i would expect to come out of that yeah, body boop, 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 boop. christian bale batman <laughs> this was like what like a couple years a year before batman begins? the exact same year Batman Begins came out Just 2005. Like buffed out Christian Bale, like stepping into the recording studio in between takes on Batman to record Howl, yeah. having a breakdown about his hair. Amazing. God, that breakdown. I love it. Um, okay. Released in November 2004, directed, of course, by Hayao Miyazaki, um, one of the more famous directors on that side of the pond, we could say. Um, the English dub stars the voices of Emily Mortimer, Gene Simmons, Christian Bale, Lauren Bacall, Josh Hutcherson. Did you catch that? 
Uh, Pita um, <laughs> from the Hunger Games. Pita, Pita, Pita's the little Marco. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, Blythe Danner plays um the quasi evil sorceress lady, um, Madame Suleiman. Yeah. She's Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. <gasps> that's fun. whoa. Okay. Um, and then of course, c- c- connecting it back to our. Uh, love miniseries back in February, yeah. I believe. We have the one and only Billy Crystal playing a sarcastic fire demon. Amazing. Yeah, as soon as, you know, uh, Calcifer comes on screen, Brian's like, hang on, is that Billy Crystal? I was like, no, that's not mm-hmm. Billy Crystal. There's no way. She's like, it's Billy Crystal. And we look it up. Holy People, shit. <laughs> we as a culture talk too much about Mike Wazowski and not enough about Calcifer, the fire Absolutely. demon. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, what a weird cast. Uh, it's insane cast, but i mean it works it works for me emily mortimer is great as um uh uh young uh shit what's her name y- young sophie. sophie but we yeah. like she's got a fantastic we voice. liked old sophie better yeah she's uh she's just like snarky and just kind of just a, a great old lady Gene Simmons, I I don't know enough about like what else she's in. I think she's just like an older Hollywood right. actress. Jean's, I believe she's no longer with yeah, us. Gene Simmons, famously the lead singer for Kiss, Rock and uh-huh. Roll, Every Day, Party All Night, that kind of thing. Every he day. he really like took the time out of the day to really perfect that voice. <laughs> and he went to Miyazaki and he was like, I'm gonna say something crazy, but I want to play old Sophie. And, and Miyazaki was like, you know what? I I need to put the phone down because I was getting ready to call you and hear you come into my studio. I need to put the phone down and pick up my jaw because uh, <laughs> that's amazing. This sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. The movie is based on a 1986 novel by Diana Wynne Jones. Uh, I have notes on her later because I really love the books that she writes. Ooh. This uh, it's funny that you say like there's a sequel to this movie. There there isn't actually a sequel to the animated movie. There's a sequel to the books. Ooh, though. that's fun. Uh, I think it's I think it's literally called like Castle in the Air, um, because it's about like I don't know if it's the same castle, but it kind of continues that world mm-hmm. um, with slightly different characters. Yeah. And then there's a threequel. There's like a three part uh, book that was released many years later. That's also crazy house related. Connecting the dots. Yeah. Um, she's she's kind of got like a castle trilogy um very interesting but yeah she typically writes like fantasy sci-fi novels that are more young adult ish but are really what i've found is like really interesting world building um she really like uh is able to put you in these fantasy worlds that she completely makes up and uh makes them seem like very genuine and lived in uh uh, which which i find to be a pro of this movie um Last stat I have here, this movie made $236 million against a budget of twenty-four. Uh it it did pretty well. I, I think mainly because it was very popular over in Japan. Yeah, not surprising. Um this this movie is gorgeous to look at. The plot mm-hmm. and story, there are there's some pieces left to be desired. But like you said, I want to talk about all. Of them. I know, I know, a hundred percent, me too. But you know, like you said, the the comforting part of it is is that it feels lived in. It feel it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense, and you're just okay with that. Of just like you know what, I'm not going to pull too many strings. Um, by the end of it, you're like, I'm hoping for the resolution of everything, but you're not going to get it. You're going to get maybe one or two. But um, this 
this movie asks you to be okay with certain plot elements just like either being non-existent or not making sense and instead it's like i'm gonna take you on a ride of vibes um and you're gonna enjoy it it might not be the taste that you were looking for but it'll end up being the taste that you like (laughs) Um, (laughs) all right all right i want to get back into your first impressions but first uh, i would love to see you struggle to attempt to summarize the plot of how's moving castle in one minute are you ready yes okay your time starts now. Howl's Moving Castle centers around Sophie, who is a young hat maker in some town. Uh, it's like post-war, pre-war steampunk era. Who knows? Uh, but there's this this giant castle that's moving around the, the countryside, and everyone's okay with it. They're like, that's Howl. He steals young girls' hearts. But don't worry. You have to be pretty. Uh, so he comes, and he saves her because she's about to get like assaulted in the street. Uh, he saves her, and then uh, she runs into the the wicked witch of the west of the waste, and thirty seconds. <laughs> and then she gets a curse put on her, and she's an old lady. Uh, but then she moves into Howell's castle, and she's be- like a cleaning lady, and that's where she meets Calcifer, a fire demon, and a little old boy who's who's getting some magic. There's uh, political intrigue and drama and a war going on, and but Howell is like a wizard, but also a bird person. And she travels through time somehow and meets him in his youth and then comes back and they break the curse. Uh, she breaks another curse with a giant scarecrow turnip head man. And uh, there, there are really no consequences at the end of this movie. Uh, and they live happily ever after in the castle in the sky. Howl's moving castle. The end. Okay, that was a minute 10, but I wanted to give you time to finish just because that was that was operatic. I loved it. <laughs> um that's as best as i can boil it down (laughs) i honestly i think that captures this movie well because it it starts out rather simply like you're saying everyone just like nagging sophie for like how much she she just has no prospects in life she's like a pride and prejudice character she's a perfectly fine looking woman she seems nice like i just want to make everyone's like Oh, poor Sophie. Yeah. You really need to get out more. And she's like, no. <laughs> it's like, I, uh, yeah, I'm totally cool just making my badass hats. And then I, I love how each new element of this film just expands on like how much is weird in this world, but also how much is accepted in this world. Like there's little ink men kind of going around working for the witch. The witch kind of goes around in this like cart that she squeezes into mm-hmm. There's wizards working for the president uh, or the king, and they're all supposed to report to the capital for the war. And then there's the like, war is so unspecific. There's airships and bombing and <laughs> bird people. <laughs> there's so many bird people. So many bird people. It's wild. And then like spirit sprites and time travel. This movie has it all. And it's just, it is a ice cream sundae of just like throw everything on top. Because like you said, like within it's, the first three minutes, it seems like it's going to be a normal ass movie sort of with like one weird element. But then mm-hmm. it's just like, nope, you got ink people. Nope, you got a flying wizard. Nope, you got a weird witch. Nope, you got a, a crazy like uh, uh, other witch who's working for the king. And nope, there's a this crazy huge war going on and like city pollution. It's insane. I like how you mentioned steampunk because it, ne- it definitely has that element. It's kind of like... It exists in this fantasy world that's kind of like a version of our world in the early 20th century, maybe late uh, 19th century. There's like trains and stuff, but it's like civilization. 
but also on the edge of that is like this rugged countryside where anything's happening. It's it's I, I was trying to find a word for it. It's like, is it magic punk? Is it steam magic? Like there's Ooh. there's magic elements that need to be mixed in here. Yeah. Right? And it's just part of the world. And they're just like, yeah, don't mm-hmm. worry. Like that's the that's the the crazed wizard who lives on the outskirts of town with his castle yeah. that's always moving. Uh, not a big deal. Like everyone's just cool with it. Uh, but don't worry. He he's. Yeah. He, he basically runs a pharmacy for them. They're like, uh, oh, yeah. I, I have a headache. Yeah. Um, so like, that's like the role that these wizards play. They're, they're kind of just regular human beings that learn magic. And then they just go out into the wild and do crazy shit. Yeah. That's, I love that you said physician or like a pharmacist, like th- those things of like describe a movie plot badly, like narcissistic <laughs> pharmacist falls in love with like, yeah, it's, That'd be hilarious. I I think this movie is super like stylistically heavy. Like like we've been saying, every frame is beautiful. You could screenshot any frame and like it could be your iPhone. Hang, hang it in. You know? No no no. Fuck that. Hang it. Beautiful. Hang it in the Louvre. Hang it in the Louvre. <laughs> the, um, the, Louvre. <laughs> the way I like to think about this story is it's more about like. It's it's kind of taking place on the sidelines of where a typical story set in this world would take place. A typical story would maybe focus more on the war and like how it's affecting people and stuff. And instead, that that part of the story is a little bit more vague and it's more just about this like found family uh, aspect and like these people living in this castle and, and how they're trying to help each other. Yeah, it's uh, it could have taken a number of routes and I and I thought it was going to go that um uh you know, you're talking about the war. I thought it was going to take kind of like the pan, the pan's labyrinth kind of approach of like the fantastical mm-hmm. versus like the reality. And I was like, maybe it's mm-hmm. all in her head. And like, he's not really a wizard, but he is an actual pharmacist or, you know, but like there is this crazy war going on at the same time. And this is her means of escape, but no, they didn't go that route. It's, it is all of it living all at once. And it is focused more on the family aspect, which I liked. You know, uh, I would have liked, you know, a little more attention paid to some of those other things. But I think I think it's OK, I guess, that you don't get the full, you know, uh, laundry list of resolutions that you want at the end mm-hmm. to answer all your questions of like who started the war, who's involved in the war, um, you know, whose idea was it to uh, to. You know, I want like the, the turnip head backstory. I want all of that. Like who taught. Who taught you know Solomon? Uh, who taught her? All that kind of stuff. Like, doesn't matter at the end. I I am always perfectly fine to like surf the vibes of this movie until the last like two minutes where Turniphead turns into the missing prince that is like causing this war. Yeah. Then I'm like, what the fuck is happening right yeah. now? It happens so quickly. It is resolved so quickly. <laughs> And like just bearing no consequence of anything that just happened. Like, yeah, we bombed all the town, but it's fine. Like, they'll be all right. It is this entirely new character introduced in the last five minutes of this movie who is like kind of crucial to the the plot if this were a regular movie. Um, but he literally just hops away and is like, let me go stop this war. Um, I, I think I think some of the ideas that we're circling here have to do with like this movie being an adaptation of a book. There's definitely 
um, pieces here that feel very specific to a world. Uh, and that world was written in this book. I haven't read the Diana Wynne Jones book, How's Moving Castle, but I did read the summary of it. Uh, Just as before. good. <laughs> So I can kind of speak to the differences here. It seems yeah, like from what I can tell, the the elements are similar. I think there's probably more side characters in the book um, and there's more focus on like the war and the causes of the war itself. Yeah. It seems like in the book, um, the the setup is similar. Like Sophie's a hat maker. Um, Hal's kind of this crazy legendary wizard out in the waste uh, and there's a witch of the waste. It's uh, from what I can tell, the witch of the waste ends up cursing Sophie because Sophie has some sort of, <coughs> excuse me, inherent magical powers kind of coming out of her on her uh -huh. own. She can like do stuff. Um, and so the same thing happens where like she is cursed to become this 90 year old woman. She ends up uh, with Howl and Howl is kind of spreading rumors about himself being like this uh, lazy or manipulative or evil wizard just so he doesn't have to do work. Love it. Um, Love it. He's, he's, he's still like a very avoidant character. Um, and then there's also the connection with Calcifer and Calcifer promising to remove Sophie's curse if she can break the connection that Calcifer has with Hal. Mm -hmm. The whole like Calcifer has Hal's heart yeah. and kind of the, the power transfer there. Um, so that that's all in place. And then the plot of the book, I think, is more specifically about finding the lost prince who is named Justin. Go <gasps> figure. Um, and so they're kind of like going on a quest from the king to find the prince. And like that's kind of the errand that Hal is attempting to avoid instead of just going to like work for the king or being summoned by the See, king. See, that makes way more sense than... Yeah, it's everything. It seems like it's more straightforward. Yeah. Like, um, and like the Witch of the Waste is more of like a straightforward villain uh, in that book. And she specifically has like her own version of Calcifer that like is more of a villain as well cool. that they yeah. end up kind of dealing with. Um, whereas in 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 this movie, the Witch of the Waste's character goes through some insane plot is, uh, transformations. Is immediately sidelined. You know, as soon as yeah. they come uh, 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 in cahoots or in meeting with uh, with with Solomon, and she just uh -huh. turned into like a puddle of a old woman, her actual age or whatever, and she's just a comedic uh, uh, old lady at that point, a senile old lady until you know she makes the turn where she ruins everything and she like smothers Calcifer and like gets his heart and all that kind of stuff, like crazy. I kind of love it. I think that like um, a a lesser movie would have kind of just used that as a joke, like her losing all her powers halfway through the movie and kind of just becoming this old movie. And then you you see her trip and fall and run away. Um, instead, she becomes ingrained in the family, their their family, essentially, because Sophie sees her and has like compassion in that way. She, this This movie is all about like, compassion for older people but also like finding strength in new and new life as you become older yeah um because sophie's kind of this like wallflower at the beginning of the movie when she's this like 20 year old woman mm -hmm. uh and then she gets cursed to become a 90 year old woman and she kind of develops some spark she develops some spunk you you kind of think like 
she she almost prefers it this way like she's she's able to see the world in a new way yeah. and, and get out there and do what she's always wanted to do i hope you re- return to this movie when you are in your 80s early 90s and you're like i yeah. i get it i understand it finally <laughs> it it doesn't make being old uh seem horrible no i mean she's she's all about it she knows um she's like hey i'm just making the best of it i wish they also would have explained a little more i couldn't quite understand what was happening when um she was kind of like getting younger getting older getting younger getting older Mm -hmm. like and i was like oh maybe it's it's when she's like a little more in tune with herself or being true to herself or when she's talking about howl in a loving sense maybe there's that but like it it never was super clear what was going on it's again it's it's very much kind of like an uh, up for interpretation the way i see it is it's exactly like you're saying like as she grows more into her own personhood and becomes more of like a, an individual character rather than a character in other people's stories, her true, truer, younger self kind of shines through. And so it's, it's a really cool evolution throughout the movie as they switch in between voice actresses um, as depending on like what version of Sophie Mm -hmm. is being shown. And she, when she first gets cursed, she kind of is like this super hunched older Mm -hmm. over older lady. And as she, kind of gets more ingrained into this found family in the castle and develops more confidence and like really starts to take charge of her story. She's still older, but she's kind of like standing up straighter. Mm -hmm. She's maybe like 10 years younger. Um, It's, it's, it's really cool how they do it. And then of course the movie ends with her like pretty much she's fully reverted back for like the last half hour of the movie, except she's got cool, cool ass hair. And then uh, similarly, Howell goes through some transformations as well his hair dye obsession and uh, his outfit changes. I love that they made Howell getting progressively more and more androgynous. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was so much fun to see just like all the random changes. And I don't understand what, be- they was going, what they were going for there either, but it was fun. He becomes very uh, Jareth uh, coded. A hundred percent. Like as soon as he like, lands down beside behind Sophie and like rescue her from the, the slop demons behind her. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Oh, he's the goblin King. This is if uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure David Bowie was busy because fucking David Bowie would have been a fantastic voice actor for that role. Well, the thing I love is that it kind of subverts that too. Cause you, I mean, he's the titular character. Um, <laughs> excuse me. The, he he kind of lands he literally lands out of thin air in the movie and has this like element of cool around him that is almost untouchable he's got this rock star energy he's so suave he's like wooing sophie you don't even know why he has an attraction to sophie you kind of find out later um and then she she goes through this curse she ends up like installing herself as the house cleaner of the castle and you then start to see flashes of Howell literally being like a tempestuous 10 year old. Yeah. Um, he's, he's kind of just like a little child who is trying to avoid work um, and just play. All and day. he's incredibly vain. Like my, the, <laughs> my favorite quote is the only one that I can really remember from it. It's just like, what's the point of living if I can't be beautiful? <laughs> it's like, Oh, come on, grow up. <laughs> It's so great. It's uh, he he maybe has like the clearest journey throughout the film. If we're talking about like typical like character journeys, because he's he's kind of this like 
devil may care wizard person at the beginning of the film and that's that's very much reflected in the way that the castle once you get to the interior is laid out like it's super it's very interesting to look at and it's super cool but it's also like not messy and dusty yeah. and like it's 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 like a it's like a, a a guy's den you know it's like these these all these these bachelors all living together and they don't really know how to take care of themselves. yeah they're all they're just hanging so out. sophie yeah. sophie comes in and kind of teaches them practical ways to live um and she cleans up a bit and that eventually is reflected in Howell's personality in a way uh it's it's cool to see how like the the ways that the castle changes are all the ways that Howell changes as well and vice versa yeah and so he he eventually learns to step up and take ownership for his place in the world as well uh as she is doing that's right yeah at the end he's you know like i'm i'm done running away i need to become a bird person you need to let me (laughs) you need to let me fly and and he does um before we get too much further i'd love to look at the trailer it's a short one but it's you know let's look at the the gorgeous visuals we've been talking about oh my goodness i just want to hear the music From master filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki, the director of the Academy Award-winning Spirited Away. That is ancient sorcery. Quite powerful, too. This summer, experience the epic tale of a young woman transformed by a mysterious curse. That's really me, isn't it? An enchanted moving castle. This is a magic house. And the one wizard powerful enough to set her free. This charm will guarantee your safe return. Walt Disney Studios presents a Studio Ghibli production of a Hayao Miyazaki film. Hold on. This June, journey to amazing new worlds. Find me in the future! Aboard Howl's Moving Castle. Amazing. See, like, God bless this movie. But after watching that, would you have any idea what the movie's about? No fucking clue. Uh, it, it was like, find me in the future. What's going on here? Who's even really involved? Was that a bird man? Is he a bird wizard? What's happening? And this movie rewards a rewatch, I would say. It definitely does. Um, so I will say that we we took a, a shining to this movie. Um, we did find, I'm going to send you a picture of it when it comes in, we'll take a picture of it on our shelf and we'll put it on the Instagram. (laughs) We found this really cool thing on, on Etsy. It's like a little lantern kind of handmade thing with like a little calcifer inside of it. It looks really cool. Um, we're like, Oh man, is this going to be like our whole personality now? Do we love Ghibli movies? Probably. Um, but like I said, you know, whenever we have some time between watching, you know, uh, 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 dropout dimension 20, 
seasons or whatever, or whatever <laughs> is on TV or movies for the podcast. You know, it's like we should go back and watch, you know, the rest of the the the, the Ghibli films because they all, like you said, they I think they all kind of had the same kind of vibe. Um, from what I remember from Studio, uh, not Studio, um, from Spirited Away, it feels very mm -hmm. similar of um, just like fantastical worlds, but like really lived in wacky shit goes on black gloopy monsters um food is a is a a, a beautiful element as, to it as well there's a neat story mm -hmm. underneath all the layers but that's what i remember from it. yeah from from the movies that i've seen and like entire books have been written on this so like i'm not gonna be able to describe it too well but like ghibli films and miyazaki films in particular he's kind of like the the head of this uh production house but he doesn't do every single movie they 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 do tend to look uh, similar to this movie. Um, so you have this, you have uh, movies like Spirited Away. Other movies that I've seen from Ghibli are um, The Wind Rises, which actually takes place in like Japan in the 30s and 40s. Ooh. It's more of like a realistic movie. Um, I've seen, what have I seen? Like uh, Secret World of Arietti. I kind of fell asleep during Princess Mononoke. I feel kind of bad about that. Um, but uh, they, one of the one of the things I always think about when I think about Ghibli movies is that they they definitely take the time to be like still or to be quiet yeah. uh, in certain scenes uh, and to just like have almost nothing happening. Uh, there's there's like a famous scene in Spirited Away where she's on the train mm -hmm. kind of between worlds and it's it's almost like a minute and a half or two minutes of this like really famous like piano piece playing and it's kind of slow it's kind of sorrowful it's kind of like wondrous mm -hmm. in a way and it's literally just her and her little group sitting in silence on this train going past different things while things happen around them and it's it's kind of incredible it's not something that you really see in a lot of uh, american movies yeah and that 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 does pop up in Howl's Moving Castle a bit as well. Yeah, they they want you to kind of like stay in the moment and appreciate of appreciate the 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 surroundings, appreciate the mm -hmm. uh, the backgrounds, or like you said, the score or um, stuff like that. So I feel like you know these movies are, yeah, I can see why they are like you know considered like the Disney, the upper echelon, but it's it I think it has more of an artistic flair to it, like. Mm -hmm. like an art house or an independent film company would churn out because they take the time to craft every, uh, every frame. Um, I, you know, I want, I want to know more about the backstory of the, the score and, you know, how um, I, I meant to look up the composer who wrote it of just like, what's the story there? Like, because it all plays mm -hmm. together so well, it's, it's fantastical, but mournful, but uplifting, but, you know, journeyous i don't know it's weird there there's really not a lot of corners that are cut with these movies um and like i've i again like i've listened to other podcasts talk about ghibli and the things that i know is like if you're comparing ghibli to disney there's things to take note of where like ghibli movies and miyazaki movies specifically take like a really long time and so you're not going to get like two or three a year like you would get with disney yeah. and they also like tend to put caps on merchandising as well. Ooh. So they're not like completely driven by let's make this like a, a plushy character that we can sell billions on. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have minions in uh, Japan. Absolutely not. Which, which is something um, I appreciate. It's, it's refreshing 
mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's I feel like how capitalism should be ran, not just a race <laughs> to the bottom line to make the most amount of money for the cheap amount for the cheapest amount possible, and then on to the next thing. Um, they're kind of like a nonprofit's uh, movie studio, which makes no <laughs> it sense. makes no sense. Um, okay, do you want? uh to go off on a complete tangent and uh let me tell you about the stress dream i had before watching the movie (laughs) yes go for it okay i had a stress dream about our podcast okay okay this is this is not the first time that's happened we we no it, it it pops up sometimes so we we did teenage mutant ninja turtles um towards the beginning of this month we're in september right now and we are just at the end of september um it's, it, recording it is this. literally the 30th and i'm gonna release this episode tonight so <laughs> yeah so i was like oh we're taking too long uh, of a time in between episodes we're gonna lose all our followers and all that stuff yeah um and so i think that was all developing in my subconscious and the way that it manifested okay so about a week ago I had a dream where, you know, Olivia Rodrigo. I'm familiar. Okay. She's like a uh, pop uh, star, Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift-esque yeah. Yeah. Uh, person on the scene mm-hmm. uh, now. For some reason in my dream, she had gone to high school with some of my younger siblings. And so like I knew her tangentially okay. and I was like, let's get her on the pod. Okay. <laughs> So she was going to be on one of our podcast episodes. I don't know if it was for House Moving Castle or if it was just like in general. And I literally get dropped into the dream Inception style. And for some reason, even in our dreams, we cannot figure out the fucking audio for this podcast. (laughs) Um, So we're like trying to record the podcast over the phone as I'm walking through this like crowded city. Um, And so like, I'm trying to first off, remember what movie we're talking about. Remember questions to ask. It starts raining. Olivia's like on the other end of the line. I think we're like trying to get to a studio where she's at, but like we're late. And so we're starting the podcast now. And I'm like on like a flip phone uh, trying to like get a vibe going. We it starts raining. There's static happening. I'm missing what she's saying. We end up going into an elevator where the phone call cuts off. And so it's like, fuck. And then we finally get to the studio and we realize that none of it had been recorded. And so we lost all of the audio. That's where the dream ended. Oh, my God. And you wake up in a cold sweat. Yeah, my God. How stressful. So <laughs> that's amazing, though. We can never have her on, is what I'm I saying. I was going to say the opposite. So it seems like we need to tag her in this episode with that specific <laughs> clip. <laughs> Hash, shout out Olivia Rodrigo. The only way to fix this karma yeah. uh, is to have Olivia Rodrigo on when we talk uh, about horror movies next mini Don't tempt fate. Ryan is, <laughs> Ryan is unafraid to tag her. We will follow her and wait for that follow back, Olivia. We're really going to get it. Um, anyway, that's that's just kind of the mindset I am in going into watching Hal's Moving Cast. I love that. I love that. And so like, <laughs> you're just on just like stress hormones the whole time watching it, just being like, I don't know what we're going to do, what we're going to talk about. And yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's all working out. We're doing great. We're 43 minutes in. This is amazing. I'm, I'm a natural podcast. You are. It, it was what you were born to do. Uh, don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. This movie was so much fun, though, Joe. Um, I 
I, I think it, like you said, it definitely warrants a rewatch because there is mm -hmm. so much to take in and look at. I feel like you could see something in, in each new uh, subsequent watch of like, oh, that's, that's mm -hmm. a really neat detail or, you know, oh, I missed that one piece of dialogue. That's interesting. Um, I mean, and it's not, this movie isn't terribly long. Uh, it's, what is it? It's like, almost, it's under two hours. It's probably like an hour and a half to two yeah. hours. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not a, a laborious watch. Um, but, you know, like, like I said, we were going to kind of take on the, the, the task of just completing the, or at least as much as we wanted to, the, the, the Ghibli circle gauntlet of watching, mm -hmm. you know, Spirited Away, uh, Princess Mononoke, even though you said you fell asleep during it, but I'm going to try and like wash that from my memory. Jeez, no it, it may have just been a, a late night. I also haven't seen some of the more popular ones, like My Neighbor Totoro or Kiki's Delivery Service or Ponyo. Those like are extremely fan favorites that I haven't seen. So like I, I have a journey of my own with with Miyazaki. Yeah, maybe maybe we we put a bow on it and we we circle back. Uh, do a little mini series. A little mini series, the the Ghibli mini series, and just circle the wagons. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, one of the, I mean, I, I really didn't have too many notes while watching this because I was trying to just like, you know, stay tuned in. But one of the ones I had kind of throughout was just like, I kept thinking about like the power of stories that don't have a lot of explanation or like leave you with no explanation in certain areas. Like the way that this movie just introduces things and they are suddenly just part of the story. Uh, they don't, there's a lot of world building here, but maybe not a lot of backstory, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. hundred <laughs> percent. The, the, the way that it kind of affects us, maybe it's cause we're like American viewers and we're used to a certain, like very template style of story. Yes. It's interesting. Like what you focus on when, those templates aren't there. Mm -hmm. And so we we've been talking about all these details and all these themes that maybe wouldn't have come up if this was more of a straightforward narrative. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, we, you know, we're, we're educated gentlemen. We, we are, uh, um, cultured to some degree, uh, even though we, we, we switch off every other episode of being uncultured, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, like for me watching this movie, I had the artist's perspective of just like, oh, mm -hmm. this frame is gorgeous. Or like, I can't imagine the amount of time it took to like just that one foreground of the, the blades of grass or that running sequence is just effortless and gorgeous and it pays off. Um, or the from the music aspect, you know, like like how you latch on to uh, with a lot of movies. So I feel it's. Yeah. It's almost just as much something to be looked at as it is something to be watched, if that makes sense. To be sense. watched like and analyzed, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just as much of a story as it is like a, a work of art that you're just like interpreting yeah. uh, in a way, which, which is most movies. I mean, Miyazaki probably thinks about this movie and he's like, yeah, that's one of my more straightforward stories. And you're like, excuse uh, me? And we're just like, it's completely abstract. Uh, <laughs> he's like, absolutely not, it's not. Like the 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 war is clearly a metaphor for uh, consumerism. Can't you see that? Or it's, vanity. It's, like it's all that kind of stuff. It's 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 a hugely thematic movie, and it's a lot about these characters living within themes. So uh, I, I I went online and I found kind of a list of the major themes throughout this movie that people always think Give through. It to me. I love this shit. Obviously, like pacifism is a big. Uh, element of this movie it's very anti-war but it's also very like 
look at what war does to creativity and look at what war does to individuality. It turns these wizards into bird people, <laughs> uh, into an army of similar gloopy bird people. Yeah. Um, and they, they lose their selves. Right. Yeah. Um, and so Hal is kind of a lazy piece of shit, but he's also kind of trying to save himself and uh, play both sides of the, the war. I don't know if you caught that, but like when he has his two, like, uh, pseudonyms he's actually like the two different areas that his castle is able to like teleport yeah, yeah, to yeah. they're like in different kingdoms yeah. so he's like he's he has shops in both sides of this war oh um, i didn't catch that i thought it was just like at random spots around town i didn't realize that it was just opposing yeah. sides of the war wow okay yeah yeah it's like it's like the seaside and then it's like the capital building and stuff. wow um but it's meant it's meant to be kind of confusing because it's meant to be like these two areas are extremely similar why are they fighting each other um, because the prince is missing so... and he turned himself into a turnip somehow <laughs> a turnip scarecrow he cursed he was cursed everyone's getting cursed in this world and everyone's okay um, with him. <laughs> everyone's just fine so pacifism definitely something that uh miyazaki is pushing in this movie especially compared to the novel it's not as much of a big thing in the novel mm -hmm. but he's he's very much taking an anti-war stance so, it's 2004 yeah right it's, it's hot hot off the cusp on the heels of of 2011 <laughs> or 2001 um uh 9 11 specifically so mm. um i know ryan is very interested in wanting to read the books uh, or at mm -hmm. least this this one book and kind of see like is there more resolution is there more stuff that they they left out in the movie and like you're saying there there definitely is so i know that she'll yeah. she'll gobble that up quick other side tangent real quick <laughs> i know we're talking about um you know you mentioned anti-war propaganda that kind of thing uh, <laughs> i watched a tiktok last night from uh, pat lawler do you follow them i maybe uh, I'm not really on TikTok these days. Oh, yeah. Well, you need to get back on it. Uh, it's because I'm better than most people. <laughs> We've done a full 180. I'm on TikTok and I'm better than you. I'm off TikTok. I'm way better than you. Uh, Pat Lawler, like the uh, former combat medic, whatever, came back, huge anti-war, but also um, like mental health, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, they were mm -hmm. talking about... Um, the the book series for young adults that we all read i'm sure maybe you didn't uh animorphs uh from the mid 90s uh into the, into i i know a lot of them i never actually read them but i i, I know exactly what you're talking but about. apparently the author k.a applegate like dug into a lot of anti-war stuff into this young adult series and it's crazy the amount of things and they talk about just the the sheer amount of madness that goes on in these kids books because animorph is about like teenagers doing space wars across like 20 installments right? pretty much like there's 65 books first of all oh my god so, over the course okay. of 65 books like it starts out really silly that they can just transform into <laughs> animals but change back after two hours but then it morphs into like this alien war and they're committing war crimes and like genocide and all this kind of stuff and, like questioning their morality about it and it's just a huge the, bummer. The last book is like pitch, pick which planet to nuke. Kids. Pretty much, right? Um, but mm. after uh, we watched uh, that that TikTok yesterday, it's like, oh well, maybe we should search eBay and get the complete series because um, we're on a or I'm on a kick of reading 
uh, a bunch of old books from my childhood. I bought all the original Goosebumps books. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm reading those. How many is that? That's got to be like 100 plus. Well, so I stopped it at like before they diverted. So it's just one through 50. Um, before they got weird. Yeah, but uh, I'm having a good time. I'm on I'm on book seven right now. So it's great. But next next in line is going to be Animorphs. Anyway, end of tangent. Anti-war. I know. Let's keep going with the tangents. The slappy dummy from Goosebumps terrified me as a child. See, he didn't. To me, because it looked terrible. See, that's that's insane. It looked terrible, not like the cover of the book that I was used to, that I had envisioned in my head. So when I saw the 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 overly round cheeks and stuff like that, I was like, "That's not scary at all." I myself had a ventriloquist dummy as a kid because of the book. I bought one. I had one as a kid. Oh, just I know we 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 both came to a fork in the road there. We went different directions. Oh. Um, Oh my god, Justin's wearing a goosebump shirt with Slappy on it. What the fuck? Yeah, weird. I didn't even see that before. I know. It's weird how we how we circle around like that. You freak. Okay. Um <laughs> Yeah. Um so <clears throat> excuse me, y'all. I am getting over a cough and this is disgusting. It's COVID. Um it's not COVID. I took like eight tests. Um <laughs> so talking about Diana Wynne Jones, I I am. I haven't read the Castle books that she has, although I'm sure they are wonderful and you should add them to your yep. list. She did have a separate series called um, Dark Lord of Durkholm that feels very similar to this. It's 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 kind of like um, it's very like young adult fantasy with a twist, which seems to be her lane. Yeah. Right. Okay. the The series is about a fantasy world uh, where like magic exists and griffins and dragons and stuff, but a super like capitalist evil businessman from our world figured out a way to break into their world. And he's like blackmailing them all and like financing them in order for the, the fantasy world to basically like put on a production on a yearly basis of like, like cosplaying as fantasy basically. Oh. And the 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 businessman guy makes people pay from Earth to come to this world and like do tours of it. And like they get to like basically LARP uh, around this fantasy world. And so the book is about like how everyone in the fantasy world is slowly but surely like getting pissed off that they have to do this every year. Um, but also they are like economically reliant on this guy. Um, it's... It's it's very fun. That's really cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So, like, is the is the financier? Is he like a, a Ronald Drumpf or a, a, a an Ellen? Ellen. He's played Ellen as Lutz. this like cold, like robotic businessman guy. Just a just a um, real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's fun. I would I would definitely recommend. Oh God, Joe! I just um, realized that my bat light is not on. Vamp for a second. I'm going to vamp on what Justin's bat light is. Uh, he's walking around his studio right now. It looks like he's turning something on. Oh, the bat light is a. Um, on. I feel so much better about it. Okay. The bat light the bat for <laughs> listeners who can't see is a light that's on the wall behind Justin. That was off this entire episode. We have to start and over. <laughs> okay. Can you remember everything we said? Okay. This is this is just like my dream. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna delete this episode as soon as we're done. <laughs> I quit everything. Um, 
let me let me kind of quickly cover some of the the other themes of house moving castle that are kind of yes, floating please, around please. so you definitely have pacifism you have like old world technology uh clashing with new mm -hmm. this is very much like an industrial movie it's very much like turn of the century you have these like populated towns where like steam engines and locomotives are going around but then you also have like the waste which is like farmland and like practically medieval and there's castles and stuff so it's very much like a clash of worlds happening there and a clash of the values that come with yeah. it right are we becoming too reliant on our machines are we becoming too cold are we losing our humanity that sort of stuff um that's cool we talked about finding new life and usefulness in old age i think a lot of miyazaki's films are about yeah. this and how about like being old can be a blessing when it's usually treated like baggage in a lot of societies and i think his latest film the the boy and the heron is like specifically about like life becoming death and all of that um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to to see it um other themes uh involve questioning authority uh not really following uh blindly um when your your king uh asks you to commit to a generic war mm -hmm. uh and then found family um the families that we're born with don't necessarily have to be the ones that we uh connect to and end up with because yeah. uh sophie's family in this movie doesn't suck but kind of seems to ignore her, her in a her way her mom fucking sucks <laughs> her mom's so weird she, her, she, her mom accepted a bribery or not even a bribery just like a, a cash reward to like yeah. hey go deliver this this you know uh a trap or whatever to howl's castle and uh yeah you get to stay married to your your rich sugar daddy and she's like well I, see I you think... later <laughs> I think the whole family just sees Sophie as kind of this like pushover stick in the mud and they can just kind of do whatever with her. She's nice, but they, they don't really take her seriously. Yeah, her family sucks. Her new family, great. Magical, <laughs> yeah. I do, I do love that that's the ending shot of like the castle has kind of healed itself. It's transformed. It can fly now. And it's like, Look at how this family now has room here. It's it's bigger in a way to fit the more people that now live in this castle. Mm -hmm. uh, Markle, the young kid played by Jess Hutcherson, who we haven't even talked about, is kind of running around with the dog while the old Witch of the Waste watches. Uh, I don't know if you caught that, like, Calcifer's fire in that ending scene is now, like, in, like, a little pizza oven area mm -hmm. in the back courtyard, yep. um, which is cool. Uh, and then, obviously, Sophie and Hal just hanging just, out on... Just on the bow just boning yeah just just making out hard in the sunset they're, they're kissing so hard they're kissing so hard but yeah it, it does have a really good warm and fuzzy ending i don't know if it's w warranted because it is just like wrapped up so fucking quick of just like yep it really war's is war's over and we're all good and now we're a nice happy family um it's it's almost played for laughs how the solomon like quasi evil sorceress lady is like yeah i'm kind of tired of this let's just stop the war like what's next yeah there you are all right uh yeah call the call the king <laughs> tell him we're done here no more war like what happens um, to the rest of the 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 wizard bird people never know i i i think it's kind of just like they they sold their souls and they suck now i guess yeah the 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 final his final form howl's final form of a one-legged black feathered long necked tiny head bird person is terrifying to me you want to know something even more terrifying mm -hmm. 
that I noticed this 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 past watch. I always thought he was a one-legged creature. If you look closely, he had two legs. One of them's chopped off. <gasps> He's got like a nub um, where the second leg should be. It's because he was like fighting all those like evil wizards in the sky before she saved him. Oh. He literally has like a cut off leg. Whoa. Um, it's insane. I didn't catch that. No, I thought he was just a one legged bird creature. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's crazy. your final form. No, he got that's horrifying. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't pay too yeah. much detail or attention to that. Um, one of the things I'm just kind of going through my notes at this point. Uh, I was watching this with Jonathan and he he wanted to point out that he thought there was a lot of overlap between this movie and Interstellar. Like uh, where where the plot does shine through in this movie, it really kind of shines through. There's like a there's a sequence where. Sophie's trying to like figure out how to save Hal, both like physically, emotionally, spiritually, and stuff. Uh, as Hal is kind of succumbing to his inner demons and like fighting everyone off, and so she kind of goes into his past somehow, like goes into his memories in a way, and like is able to communicate with him. It's it's very Interstellar in like let's go to back the to the past yeah. and like send them a message that will help us in the future. That, that was um, the exact vibe I got too. I was like, Oh, she's mm -hmm. in like the memories and, you know, meet me in the future. <laughs> and it was very, very strange. But yeah, I got the same kind of vibes of like, she, you know, on the black color of the door, like that's only where Howell mm -hmm. goes. Only he knows where to go through there. But she, you know, she had the ring and it brought him, brought her to him. And it, Again, like because magic exists in this world, it's not really explained how any of this even works. Um, it just kind of shows it. But you get the feeling that like if you sat down with these characters, with these wizards, they could explain how it worked. Yeah. It's just like that's not what the movie is concerned with. No, nope. And and us as the viewers just have to be OK with it because it's uh, you're not going to get the resolution you want um, or the answers that you want. But at the end of the day, it's cool. It's cool, man. It's a fucking cool movie. It's a cool movie. Uh, I I like this movie more and more with each rewatch. Yeah, I had a good time with it, and I'm I'm excited to add it to the just like general rewatch repertoire that that we have mm -hmm. that we have building. Um, this I'm not I'm not even gonna attempt to even shit on this movie, other than just like it was weird, but uh, it was tr it's, charmingly weird. It's weird and slow and jarring. Um, but it's also interesting to look mm -hmm. at at the very least. Like we, we, you know, like Ryan and I, we were, we were fully com and completely flabbergasted by the complete, by the end of just like, what is happening? <laughs> Why, what did we just watch? But we bought something on Etsy of like a custom calcifer thing because we're now we're going to put it on the shelf and, you know, it's because we, we bought it. It's hypnotizing you. It is hypnotizing, yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah. like I said, I was just so enamored by the artistry and the um, the the score, the just, like, effortless uh, effortlessness of Howell, um, the, the, the charming humanity behind Sophie, uh, and then mm -hmm. just fucking Billy Crystal's there just vibing it out. Yeah, one of the one of the thoughts I had, like we talked about how the voice cast is like weirdly stacked. It's a lot of like interesting, unique voices. I think the fact that this this movie is dubbed, we're watching the English version of a Japanese movie creates like even more of like an auditory 
disconnect like subconsciously mm-hmm. like it's it's not a fantastic dub in a way like it's it doesn't really bother to like match things up mm-hmm. like there's definitely like the the mouths are moving and the sounds aren't matching the mouse um but it kind of like adds to the world for me like i i, I believe these characters exist in a world where they sound like that and they look weird while talking. yeah it was almost kind of like a uh, like a graphic novel come to life kind of a thing mm-hmm. um because like we we're you know when you get into your to your 30s you know or just becoming a older millennial when you watch anything on tv you have to have the the close the closed captioning on the subtitles um so i wasn't even bothered by the the sync not being there for the lips uh or or dub which was fine because like i knew what i was in for i knew that this was an english dub and like it's it wasn't the original so like it was fine um mm-hmm. but just reading the the subtitles like didn't even matter to me so but but i can see yeah. how that would kind of remove it uh in a way it's interesting like dubbing as an art form like taking or adding things to a movie mm-hmm. um okay before we get into our end game Justin, we keep forgetting about the cocktails. What oh. what do you what do you drink in this episode? Tell me this about it. This one's fun. It was it's very pretty. I took a really great picture of it. Uh, I'm calling this the Mr. Turniphead. Mm-hmm. It's based on an existing cocktail called the Scarecrow, but I, I switched some things around. So this is uh, tequila Campari instead of uh, Aperol. Uh, cinnamon syrup, cinnamon infused syrup, uh, lemon and orange wedged or uh, uh, muddled wedges muddled. Uh, and it's this nice little tangerine color. Um, it's got a little bit of spice on the back end. It's really not quite lovely. I was gonna, nice. I was gonna go the extra mile, but I didn't have high enough proof alcohol. I was gonna put like a little flame on top and sprinkle cinnamon for the calcifer effect, but um, mm. I didn't, I didn't have any high proof alcohol. But if you want to try that, be our guest. Mm. That's Justin. We we are always so similar. Um, I have what I am calling uh, Heart of the Wizard. Um, and so same vibes. It is it is essentially an Aperol spritz, which is chilled Aperol, a little bit of bubbly, a little bit of club soda. Uh, I have put a Luxardo cherry in the middle as, you know, the heart. Ooh, um, yeah. House, house heart within Calcifer. We also tried to add Grand Marnier to this and set it on fire. No matter what we did, like there's like, Half of this is Grand Marnier because we tried so many times and like we were trying to flame it. It wouldn't light up. If you can get that to happen, you can call it a flaming heart of the wizard. This is just a heart of the wizard with a lot of extra Grand Marnier. Yeah. Um, But the intention is to be set on fire. You know, have have a little burst. Yeah, that's great. I love that. We both wanted to do that. (laughs) Yeah. And we both failed miserably. Um, But yeah, this this is great. This is a great cocktail to go with the movie. It's warm and cozy. This movie definitely gives september fall vibes and i think that's all ghibli films are period is it's all about vibes and cozy comfort um Mm. this movie is bright but it's it's so well lived in and the castle itself is so homey um it's very colorful yeah and you feel just like safe in it even though there's madness going on outside there's madness Mm -hmm. holding the whole thing together a fire demon is keeping it running but um it's totally fine uh, but yeah, this this you know with the the cinnamon spice and the orange and all that kind of stuff, it, it's perfect for the time of year. Uh, and I love that we that we timed it, or not not even really timed it, but like this is the the time that it came about. This is wild card month, baby. We have let the fates decide, and they have chosen yeah, well. They did. 
All right. Um, let us get into our end game right. uh, before we talk about like where we're going uh, next month. Yeah. Um, are you ready to play a little game? Uh, I understand that uh, you've you've made a little something, made, as you often do these episodes. I made a little something. Uh, so you okay. sent me the title of the game called Castlemania. <laughs> and that was it. That's all you yeah. told me. So I yep. ran in three different directions, and you'll see in the video. Um, and I'll explain afterwards. Justin, that was beautiful. I told you it was a headphoner. You had to wear headphones. Um, for 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 those listeners who are just listening, uh, that was essentially a, a slow electric guitar version of the theme from House Moving Castle, played over <laughs> clips of House Moving Castle, WrestleMania, and Castlevania. The video, damn right. <laughs> um, which is exactly the vibe I was hoping for. Was it? Um, oh, amazing. Did you? Did you? Play the guitar? Yeah, that was four different guitars layered all on top of each other and panned hard left and right. That was the hardest thing I ever did to do. That move that's that song is so intricate and like delicate, but it was fun. Justin, if it ever becomes legal for you to release that, I I want to copy it. (laughs) Why would it not be illegal? But anyway. (laughs) Okay. Let's play Castle Mania. Are you ready? So ready. You are a young wizard on the run from love and responsibility, and naturally, it's time to construct your moving wizard castle with help from the fire demon that swallowed your heart, just like your hero, Hal. Yep. Everyone across the land knows that the more knowledgeable the wizard, the more power they have over how their castle is built. So, in order to test this, we're going to build each section of your castle. The sections are kitchen, bathroom, Bedroom, secret tower, courtyard, and exterior. Okay? Six sections. For each section that we build, I'll ask you a trivia question about castles. (laughs) If you answer correctly, you get to choose how the section is built and you can describe it to us. Got it. If you answer incorrectly, I get to choose how the section is built and it may be a bit more chaotic. I love it. So we're going to build your castle. Okay? Let's do it. 
I would like to thank Jonathan for helping with the concept of this game. Um, it's my board. Okay. So starting with the kitchen, are you ready? Castle trivia. In classic medieval castles, what is the name for the large tower or structure that typically stands at the center of the castle, its safest place? This is not multiple choice. <laughs> this is not multiple choice. Uh, what is the name? I'm leaving you out to. What dry. is the name of the tower in the central in the center of the castle? Yeah, uh, or like the the main building. Uh, is it the citadel? Incorrect. Uh, the The word I was looking for is keep. The keep. Okay, so okay. how are we fucking up my kitchen? <laughs> so because you got it wrong, your kitchen is a Red Robin drive-through, fully staffed, and you do have to employ all the people who work there. Oh my god, great. That's fine. I'm all about small business. <laughs> it's not the worst. Um, okay, let's move on to your bathroom. Uh, do you like how I'm kind of stylizing this like an HGTV this show? This is great, yeah. Um, okay, bathroom. Castle is an American TV series that aired for eight seasons and stars Nathan Fillion. Name one more TV series that Nathan Fillion has a lead role in. Uh, was it a TV series? Uh, 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 that's the meme. Um, he <laughs> lead uh, in Dr. Horrible's Sing Along, but that wasn't a TV series, so I don't... Oh, wait, no, no, Firefly, Firefly. Yeah, yeah. I would accept it Firefly or The Rookie, which I think he's currently starring in. Who watched TV? Okay, you got that one right. Um, so you get to tell me how you would do your bathroom. And the way you can do this is you can just describe your bathroom or you can like pull a bathroom from a movie or TV show that you would just use. Uh, it's going to be a, a, like an ancient Roman bathhouse, just like a bunch of tile, but like open concept essentially. So it's like you can uh -huh. you can bathe over there, you can bidet over here, you can shit over there in that corner. Like it's it's all, it's a free-for-all. But it's gorgeous. Fantastic. It's gorgeous. And it's like your Red Robin employees will love it's, it. It's kind of subterranean too. So it's like underground. It's kind of like a grotto. There's a, wa a waterfall in there. Anyway. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The castle kind of has that magic on it where like it can be bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. So uh, space is your friend here. All right. Let's move on to the bedroom. Okay. Uh, the castle or rook is a key piece in the game of chess. How many squares are there on a chessboard? Uh, 64. Correct. Um, tell me about your bedroom. The bedroom's going to have uh, six different beds, um, all <laughs> arranged in a circle, and each bed has a different um, uh, purpose. Uh, so there is like the heavy sleeping bed, uh, and that's for like for long periods, long rests. There's a, a, a one that's not quite so plush, and it's a little smaller. It's for short rests. Uh, there's another one that is for uh, just like straight on regular lovemaking. And then there's another one for more adventurous lovemaking. It's got like waterproof sheets and all that kind of shit. Um, there's another one that's like, it's like a hammock essentially, but it's big enough for two people. Uh, and then the, the last bed is just like, it's, uh, it's more castle appropriate. It's, it's kind of just a pallet, but it's just like old worn hay and that kind of stuff. Uh, so you can feel like the vibes that you get. For when you're going for vibes. Yeah. Vibes of just like, hey, we're in a castle. Might as well sleep like we're in one, you know? Uh, Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And then, you know, windows uh, on the westerly side uh, and uh, a bay window on the eastern, eastern side. Yep. Yeah. Hot in the winter, cold in the summer. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on to your secret tower. Secret tower. Um, your question. Castle Rock 
is a fictional town in Maine typically associated with what author? Uh, Stephen King. Of course. Uh, yes. Okay. Tell me about your secret tower. Secret tower is not so secret because everyone knows about it. <laughs> um, so it's it's just there for everyone's general use. It's kind of a uh, you bring uh, the 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 inside of the tower is what you bring with it. So like it's your own interpretation of what it is, you know. Sure, so if yeah. it's a, if it's a secret, you know, arms keep when you open the door, that's what it is. Uh, if you think it's a secret seventh lovemaking bedroom, that's what it is. Uh, or if it's uh, just a hollow tower, kind of like that one level in uh, uh, Super Mario 64 where the stairs just kind of keep going forever. It's kind of it's one of those. Um, but it's, it's whatever. So your tower, your tower is the room of requirement from Harry Potter. Pretty much. Okay. Yep. I kind of like that. Yeah, Anna. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, uh, let's repurpose that. Um, okay. Let's move on to your courtyard. Mm -hmm. um, Miyazaki directed another film released in 1985 called Castle in the Sky. If there was an actual castle in Earth's atmosphere, what is the commonly accepted rate of acceleration it would have as it plummeted to the ground? Uh, what is it? It's 9.8 uh, feet per second. Is that... I'll give it to you. It's 9.8 meters per second. Ah, you got it. You got it. Yep. Um, tell me about your courtyard. As I push up my glasses. Um, in you big nerd. <laughs> big fucking nerd. Uh, courtyard is um, modeled exactly after the courtyard um, from the book series Game of Thrones. <laughs> um the the courtyard of uh 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 sir loris the 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 prince of flowers or the uh what was he yeah he was the prince of flowers yeah he was he was the tyrell yeah, yeah so it's just it's just flowers for days and but babbling brooks and stuff like that it's just real gorgeous it's great hell yeah i'd hang out yeah. there okay all right last one your exterior just like the the outer shell okay. of the okay. castle right in the movie Howl's Moving Castle, which this episode is yep. about, what is the name of one of Howl's wizard aliases? Pendragon is one of them. Okay. Uh, the other is, uh, was it like Mr. something? I can't remember. It was either Pendragon or Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah, I knew it was like some Jenkins. fucking Jenkins. All right, so my exterior is um, iridescent um mm -hmm. on it so it's like angled it's like uh, a pyramid kind of shape on each mm -hmm. square uh so it's iridescent on one side and it's like reflective on the other and it uh uh the, the other like absorbs uv light and the other side kind of refracts it um it's it's multi -purpose. just like a million dark sides of the moon it's exactly that um but it, it also can be invisible at the right angle but can also be highly like blinding to the to the eye uh, on on other angles, so it's very dangerous, and, and so we're constantly causing fires as we move around. <laughs> but, uh, uh, it's fine, it's fine because everyone's okay with it. They're just like, "That's Justin's moving castle." It's just really weird. It sounds beautiful. All right, Justin, you did very well on Castle Mania. Um, I kind of wish I had made these harder so that I could fuck with you more. Mm. Um, but I'll I'll send you some of the wrong uh, answer options that yes. I had. Um, 
because uh, the castle would have sucked. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> final thoughts on Hal's moving castle. How do you how do you feel about expanding your your Miyazaki Ghibli repertoire? Here? I'm really excited to to do it. Um, uh, I know Ryan is excited as well. It's just it's all cozy and it's all vibes and there you might learn a thing or two at the end and uh that's that's something that that we vibe with and we fuck with um this is a wacky one uh for certain but it is a it's a pretty one you know and like say la vie you know like that's life right in the in the end the the castle really was the we made, we made along the way, way. <laughs> yes it was um hmm. joe why don't you tell the the listeners what we're doing to kickstart spooky season of October. Hell yeah. Okay. So we are, as most people know, in year two of the uncultured cinematic universe. So what we'll probably do is like inner SERP wild card months like September, like we're having right now with more themed months like we've done in the past. And so we're rounding off September and we're going into October, which is obviously Hashtag spooky season and we love it. Yes, we do. Um, spooky season will start with a Justin pick that I have never seen. We will be seeing this in theaters tomorrow. Yeah, actually, tomorrow in person. We'll we'll post picks to the gram. It is a infamous uh, scary movie. Some would say the scariest movie. We will be watching and talking about The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm I'm super excited. I. I stand by that um, that air quote of it being the scariest mm-hmm. movie because it, it is. I I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I don't know what to expect. Here. It's fine because we're going to see it at four o'clock in the afternoon at a shitty movie theater on, off of the interstate. So like, it's fine. I truly wonder like who who's actually going to be there. Um, I I know like the iconography of the exorcist. I don't really know too much about like the story. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of nervous to, to poo poo my pants. There's, there's some, uh, some juicy bits to unearth uh, throughout the movie. And there's some good, just like uh, uh, urban legend stuff to dig into around the production of the movie. So like, I'm really excited to talk about it. And I always, I'm a sucker for, you know, we found anytime we do a movie in, in person, it adds a little extra panache to the episode and to the experience mm. overall. Um, but it's really cool. I love that. I love that studios are doing that more and more. They're like bringing back classics or stuff like that. Uh, and especially our local theater, the, the, the Plaza Theater in Atlanta, they do somehow align with our exact blind spots of movies uh, and our tastes in film yeah. a, lot of t- of, a lot of the time. But yeah, that's what, that's what we're doing for October. Uh, we're going to go watch that on October 1st and we'll probably drop it. Uh, this is going to be a banked episode, Joe. Um, we're going to watch it and then we're going to we we're going to record it sometime next week and drop it the week after or towards the end of next week, who knows, just to stay on top of things because Joe famously likes to go out of town for weeks at a time uh, yeah. in, in places. Uh, hashtag must be nice. Anyway, this was a great episode. I can't help that I'm a citizen of the world. I know. Just got to get out there. Uh, I had so much fun with this one, Joe. Uh, so, so thanks for opening up the the door a little more for Miyazaki and for yeah. Studio Ghibli. I'm excited for you to open the door a little further. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> Have a good one. Enjoy the rest of your. And September. with that, we're out of here. <laughs>
Bye. Bye.